The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome, everyone. Uh, this is the Introduction to Mindfulness Meditation <coughs> series. It's a five-week series. My name is Shen Kwan, and uh, this is Kim, and this is Diana. On the sheet, it says there's a person named Jim Podolsky. <laughs> uh, so he'll be teaching some of the courses later on, and we'll have another sub next week as well. So um, uh, Chris will be teaching next week. <laughs> so um, so uh, first, I just want to give a, a brief kind of um, welcome to the center. Um, so we offer these introduction to meditation courses a few times a year. And um, they're usually five- or six-week courses. And uh, we also have lots of other uh, opportunities to come sit quietly and listen to Dharma talks. So hopefully if you have a chance to check out the website, you can find something that uh, would fit for you. This is a five-week series, so every Wednesday night. And we will start this evening will be Mindfulness of Breathing. And each week after that, we'll branch out, we'll do mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of emotions, mindfulness of thinking, and then practice in daily life. So hopefully it gives a kind of an introduction to the type of meditation that we teach here. And that type of meditation is called mindfulness meditation or insight meditation. And really it's um, kind of... um, teaching us or guiding us to increase our capacity to pay attention to what's happening. So uh, we're using the, our awareness, capacity for awareness and attention. First, we'll focus on the breathing, um, and then we'll gradually uh, um, kind of go out to include all the aspects of our lives. So... Um, We'll do some guided meditation tonight, so hopefully you guys will get a little taste of what it would be like to sit on your own, and we would recommend um, starting a daily practice, if it suits you, for 15 or 20 minutes a day, just so you get a chance to see what it's like um, to do your own practice. So uh, when we use the word mindfulness, um, it means um, how do we pay closer attention to that which is already happening. And um, we're trying to bring the mind to the present moment. And we're using, in the beginning, the breath as our anchor, as our focus, because it's happening in the present moment, it's happening in the body. And rather than be caught in our thoughts of something that's going to happen in the future or something that's already happened in the past, and um, all the stories and triggers we have with what's going on, we're using this little uh, reminder to keep coming back to the present. So why do we want to be present? (laughs) Well, we're teaching these skills so that we're present for our lives in a very full um, and rich way, so that whether or not the things that are happening are pleasant or unpleasant, we have some capacity to deal with everything with some skill, with some... um, Uh, understanding and hopefully wisdom and compassion, the two wings of this practice, get cultivated and developed. So um, how do we pay attention? So um, during the course of this evening, you might notice you might um, be 
present for some of what I'm saying, and if what I'm saying somehow triggers you in some way as uh, being very uh, insightful or not so insightful, you may go off in some kind of thought over your reaction to, and so that's what the mind tends to do. But it might take you out of the present moment, so you may not hear the next five minutes of what I'm saying. So rather than have that be a problem, we're just saying anytime you notice your attention has wandered off or been, we say, kind of distracted, that's a moment of mindfulness to try and bring it back to see what's happening. This is a distracted mind, or this is a busy mind, or this is a wild mind. Um, Also, sometimes things may be happening in your body that may not be so comfortable as you're sitting here for an hour and a half, and we might have plenty of ideas about what's wrong with us or what we need to do. And rather than get caught or stuck in all those things, we're asking, can we just come back and be present for that? what's happening? If we need to move to make ourselves a little bit more comfortable, then we can do so. Um, sometimes we're asking you to, especially for the guided meditation, see if we could sit quietly and meet all the things that are happening without being as reactive or as um, triggered by what's happening. So uh, in the beginning, um, uh, we may catch two or three breaths at a time, or our attention is there for a little while and then off. So this is pretty normal. We've had a busy day, um, and we're seeing how much we can settle so that we can be more deeply present for that which is happening. It increases our capacity to respond more appropriately to what's happening and respond with a little more clarity and understanding. So um, I hope that makes sense. Um, There will be plenty of time for questions. Um, And during the course of this evening, all three of us will present some part of this mindfulness teaching. So um, that's all I have to say as the introduction. Did I leave anything out? Okay. Okay. So you you can take this. It might be easier. So Shin Kwan talked about developing our capacity to notice things and to be in the present moment with what's already happening. And the most basic object that we begin with for mindfulness meditation is the breath. And there's a number of reasons for this and opportunities that the breath presents. It's really a wonderful way to start. And it's actually... Don't be fooled by the fact that we're starting with it and are going to expand out and out and out. Actually, if you want, you can stay with breath meditation for your entire practice. And it will reveal deeper and deeper levels in and of itself. So I I don't want to give the impression that this is the baby lesson that you're getting tonight. Actually, we start you right out with something that can take you very far. In this practice, we don't need to control the breath or change the breath. It's not a a directed breath kind of practice if you've done that with any other uh, practices that you've done. Rather, the practice is to cultivate our attention on what's already happening. And the nice thing about the breath is that at least usually it's happening. (laughs) We hope. So 
that's one of the basic reasons that the breath is very useful, is that it's an object that we can almost always find, connect with in some way. And another thing about the breath is that, of course, it's a changing and rhythmic sensation that's happening in the body. And it is both regular and different every time. Something like snowflakes, right? Is that every breath is slightly different because it's just a different moment. And yet there's a pattern to it that our mind can settle into. It turns out that the mind is actually more able to focus on things that are changing slightly. If you try to focus on something that's very fixed or if you hold your eyes very fixed, for example, it's actually not that easy to stay that way. But if the eyes move and shift a little bit, then it's much easier. You know, that's actually what you're doing when you're reading, for example, or even just sitting here, your eyes are moving slightly. So in the same way, bringing our attention to something like the breath, that's a slightly changing object, it's actually easier to stay with that. So we'll be using that quality of the breath in uh, the guided meditations in order that we can connect with it more easily. For most people, uh, the breath is a calming object to be with. This is another big advantage of it, is that staying with the breathing, uh, we begin to settle in, people generally feel connected to the present moment and to themselves in a way that is tending towards being tranquil. Now that's not to say that your meditation is better if it's calm or that it's always going to go only toward the direction of more calmness. Certainly not true. All kinds of things can come up in our meditation. But generally the breath itself, when we're able to focus on it, tends to, tends to be a little bit calming. And so that also makes it a, a good object for most people to begin with. And then moving into some of the subtler aspects of the breath that you may not think about at the top level, but which are very important in the practice, is that the breath is the gateway into our body and also our emotions and our thoughts. Uh, We probably may not have thought about this a lot, but the breath is somewhat reflective of what's going on for us inside. So just as an example, if you're feeling anxious, your breath may get shallower or faster. If you're feeling angry, that's reflected also in the breath. Or if we're feeling quite relaxed and open, we may have a different kind of breath or a different experience of the breath. So it's not that we need to be uh, thinking much about being a field biologist and writing down everything about it, but... It's just worth noticing that the breath is very dynamic, very organic, uh, something that's very intimate to our own experience. And that's really what we're, another aim of the practice is to become intimate with our body, with our mind, with our life, be present for it, give ourselves that gift of awareness and of attention and of careful listening internally. It's really something important to to give ourselves as we're developing this ability to pay attention. So when doing breath meditation practice, it's important to remain focused on the sensations of breathing. 
And I'll say this, you're just hearing this intellectually now, you'll have a chance to practice with it uh, a little bit this evening also. But I think it's an important thing to call out uh, to, for us to be aware of is that we all know the concept of breath or in-breath or out-breath. We understand that as a word or as an idea. Uh, but when we're actually meditating, uh, the point is to focus on the elemental sensations of the breath. I mean, how do you know that you're breathing? It's a series of sensations, right? It might be things like coolness, pressure, um, tension as the lungs expand, or relaxation on the outbreath, warmth of the outbreath compared to coolness of the inbreath, maybe a little bit of tingling, or um, it'll feel movement as it moves through the system. So I don't know if you've really thought about your breath in this way before, but uh, these kinds of sensations are what we can connect with in the meditation practice. These kinds of um, simpler sensations that are not necessarily concepts or words. So we try to drop below the level of the words and pay attention to these simpler feelings that are going on. Now, as Shen Quan alluded to, it is almost certain that as you begin to pay attention to your breath, uh, you'll find that you're not tracking it <laughs> after a few breaths or, or so. And that's totally fine. Uh, the breath is like any other object that we attempt to bring our attention to. The mind may be there for a little while and then has a mind of its own. It decides to do something else. And when that happens, uh, it's no problem. We just stop where the mind is and remember, oh yes, I'm paying attention to my breath now and bring the mind back and connect again with the, what those very basic sensations of movement, of flow through the body, however it appears for you at this moment. So this very simple simplicity is very much an element of mindfulness. And the breath is largely a simple object, which is another reason why it's easy to connect with. So, at this point, Diana will talk a little bit about how we can sit in order to support our practice of meditation, because it actually makes quite a difference what position the body is in, in order to be able to connect with the breath and connect with the mind in a clear way. Thank you. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? So I'd like to, um, before I start talking about posture, I'd like to build a little bit on what Kim and Shin Kwan said. Kim said that um, breath meditation is very simple. Just bring your mind back to the breath. But simple doesn't mean easy. So in the sense that it's very straightforward what we're doing, but it does require practice. It does require us to put a little bit of effort into this, and you'll experience this um, firsthand. I feel like I want to say that because I know when I first started meditating, I thought like, oh, 
what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? It's pretty straightforward. Just keep your mind on the breath. It's not complicated. But it turns out that um, it does. our minds need a certain amount of training to get used to this. It's not something that in our culture we're accustomed to is choosing a particular object on which to put our minds on. And maybe I'll also add that Shinkwan um, said the way that this um, we're going to teach this course kind of systematic. We're going to start with the breath and then talk about the body, talk about emotions, and then thinking. So all aspects of our lives get incorporated in here. First of all, I, I want to say it doesn't have to be systematic. This is um, through kind of experience and in this tradition, this is how we teach it. Some other places, may, they may start in a different way, and that's okay, that's fine, right? They all work, it's about training the mind to do certain, to what, for to set an object and to train the mind to go onto the object. And then maybe I'll say one last thing before I go into talking about postures is that um, one way that this relates to our daily life is that we will notice that we, whatever object we choose tonight will be the breath, that our minds, it's um, when they drift away, when they lose contact with the breath, that in itself can be interesting. Like what, where does our mind go when we're distracted? What, what, um, what types of things does our mind like to do? What kind of, uh, do we think more about the past or the present or the, or the uh, future? Or So I'm just, my point here is that this is all encompassing. And in these five weeks, we're going to talk about particular objects. And we're going to talk about also about what happens when your mind is not on the object. In this way, there are no, nothing that's not included. There's nothing that is technically a distraction, or there's nothing that is technically um, not included in um, this practice. And we'll talk more about that, like how to include these things. But in the beginning, we're going to start with just something very simple, the breath. Okay. So with that kind of what we're doing and uh, some of the kind of the thinking behind that, as Kim said, there is a, um, our posture actually um, has an important role in meditation for a number of reasons. One is there's a clear connection between our minds and our bodies. I say this word clear. It wasn't always clear to me. I used to be one of those people that was always in my mind, thinking things, solving problems, you know, trying to make everything comfortable. Oh, I'm sorry. So way in the back, is it because you can't hear me? Can you hear me at all? So is it, the, is it just me that's speaking softly? Or is it the speakers out there? There's the hearing assisted device. So there are hearing-assisted devices for if you can't hear that are um, on the counter right there that can that may help. But and there's also do you may want to come in here. There's plenty of seats in here as well. Oh, so is it just me talking quietly? I'll try to keep my voice louder. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. 
So a number of reasons why we pay attention to our posture is because there's a connection between the mind and body. So if there's a certain alertness in our posture, in our body, that supports a certain alertness in our minds. Right? We don't, if you want to go to sleep, you don't stand up straight and think about having... um, I don't know, you just don't stand up straight, right? Or if you're tired, you, t- you slouch, or if you're on the couch, or your chair, or something like this, right? If, when you're getting tired, or if you want to sleep, you relax. So there definitely is a, um, a connection. And we want to um, use the body in our posture as a way to support our meditation. The second reason why we're going to um, talk about posture with meditation is to minimize the amount of discomfort that happens with sitting on the floor. You see Kim Shin Kwan and I sitting up here in this posture. But I, there was a time when I couldn't sit like this for very long, right? And my knees would bother me. So it's, um, it, it's worthwhile spending some time to pay attention to your posture so that it, you don't feel uncomfortable during your meditation, which um, can pull you away and make it not as um, comfortable as it could be. Okay, so with that as an introduction, here's a few things. Is we like to have an alert spine. So alert means kind of you know sitting up straight as if you were paying attention. Whether you're sitting in a chair or um, on the cushion. And if you're um, sitting on the floor, you can sit, I think all three of us are sitting, um, yes, we call this tailor fashion. You know, like, I guess people, well, the tailors would sit on the floor while they were fixing clothes, sewing clothes, I'm not sure. But um, with one leg in front of the other, this is the most um, common position. You can sit in half lotus or full lotus if you know that. I'm not going to demonstrate it. But this, um, yes, okay, so here's Kim doing half lotus with one with one foot on the other leg. So it can be um, easier on your hips, but it's not so easy on your knee. You have to be careful the way that you do it, so... And then I will say um, one thing that's really important, whether you're you're sitting in a chair or on the floor, is to have your knees either the same height as your hips or below your hips. And this uh, is for two reasons. So if you find... Okay, for two reasons. One is if if your um, knees are down, like on the ground... You, uh, it's very stable, right? We're a tripod here. It's very stable and very steady here. The second is that it um, supports a small curve in your back that is comfortable. If you're not sitting, you tend to, if you um, are sitting just on the floor without a cushion or your knees up, you tend to um, be more rounded. And it's hard to maintain this posture. It's very uncomfortable for a short while. So for those of you who are, sitting on the floor in our, um, and find that it's not so easy to put your, the knees down on the ground, um, often we will raise up the seat. So you can sit on two zafus, or you can um, turn this zafu around, sit on the edge like this so that you're up higher, and often that's easier to do, to sit like this. 
Often we find if people have do a lot of walking or running, they don't have a lot of flexibility in their hip flexors, and it's not so easy to um, get the knees down. And if you're sitting in a chair, then you can use the cushions to help um, either sit on a cushion if you have long legs and your knees are higher than your seat, or you can use a, a cushion for your feet if um, your legs don't quite touch the ground. So what we're looking for is um, some real stability so that you feel really uh, solid, solidly on the ground, and that you're... Um, it just is um, more comfortable in the long run if your hips, I'm sorry, if your knees are lower than your hips. And then, do one of you want to um, do uh, a seiza bench? I'll talk about a chair in a minute here, but there's an um, alternative here. We call these seiza benches. If you feel like you want to sit on the floor, one way is um, to sit like this. And for me, if I'm going to do a lot of meditation, I will go like back and forth between sitting this posture and this posture. Sitting this one where you have your weight on um, your lower legs, but you're um, firmly, uh, you're very stable here. And and Shinkwan has beautiful posture with a nice alert spine. Okay, so if you're, one way um, about the alert spine is that if you're sitting in a chair, some, uh, we encourage you to not use the backrest. You can if, you know, a lot of people have back issues and you need the support, but to sit at kind of a, a little bit forward on the chair so that you're sitting upright, kind of, uh, it's, you're a little bit more alert rather than kind of relaxed back into the chair. And also, there's something very subtle but um, can have an effect about not using the backrest, kind of um, has a sense of self-reliance, you know, a sense of I'm present, I'm here, I'm, I don't don't know how to explain it well, but it's a a subtle difference between um, sitting, using the backrest and not. And I will say that if I'm going to fall asleep during meditation, it's most likely when I'm sitting in a chair using the backrest. Because something about having to support oneself kind of really um, supports being alert and awake. So, let's have to keep an eye on the time here. So the... um, One thing that's often helpful to have an alert spine... And is to this is something that I do that which I found really helpful is I take my hands on either side of my hips and kind of lift myself up and then I go back down and just let my arms fall and somehow that opens up the chest just a tiny bit and let my arms relax just down from the shoulders and then your hands you can put them whichever way is comfortable Usually both hands are doing the same. So they can be on your legs here. You can have the palms up, palms down, whatever feels comfortable. You can also have them here on your ankles. Like she, I think that's how, yeah, how we sit. One thing to be aware of with your hands is that if you have your hands too far forward, 
then um, you bring your shoulders forward, which brings your back, you know, your spine, and you kind of lose that alertness of the spine. These are subtle changes, but when you start meditating, you start noticing all these things. So you can um, stay upright. Some people will, um, they'll be sitting on a zafu, and they will also have like maybe a cushion or something here to support their hands so that they don't round their shoulders or to help kind of support being up. And then maybe the last thing that I'll say about posture and that um, to support a, an alert spine is um, to lightly tuck the chin and open up the back. This is a small movement, but it's a way that um, helps kind of line up the vertebrae. Many of us spend so much of our time watch at looking at screens or driving, and often we're leaning forward a little bit and we're like leaning with our chin. And I know this for myself, too, that when I'm meditating, well, I'm supposed to be meditating, but I'm sitting here and I'm planning what I'm going to do, my chin goes out. It's kind of a way of a connection between mind and body. So if we can just tuck the chin a little bit, open up that back of the neck, it's a little bit more comfortable, it's a little bit more upright. and That's a lot about posture, but I think it's um, helpful to have a foundation on the ways to, to sit. And now, I'll turn it back over to Shinkwan. Okay, so um, we're going to do a little bit of guided meditation now that we've had this. So um, you might notice that we're doing the best to have the most supportive posture for the meditation. But sometime during the next 15 minutes, there might be some areas of discomfort. So not to worry. If it's really bad and you have some injuries, please take care of yourself if you need to lay down. Um, please do so. If you need to move up and sit in a chair, please do so. This is not an exercise in torture. We (laughs) really want to take care of ourselves. So uh, we kind of just say, we've given a lot of instruction. We want to have a good enough seat so that our, our minds are a little bit freer to pay attention in a deep way to what's happening. Sometimes that attention might just be on some physical sensation. So um, rather than uh, make it a huge thing, we put as much care into it as possible, see if we can stay with something in a simple way. If not, uh, just quietly move. Okay, so now um, having taken a, a comfortable posture... We close our eyes in this tradition so that we don't get easily distracted and check out everybody in the room and whatever. If you're really tired and you find that closing your eyes makes you fall asleep, then just uh, just open them and look down in front of you. So in the beginning, it might be helpful to take a few deep breaths just to connect with the breathing Seeing if there's any uh, tension or stress or pressure anywhere in the body that's easily let go of, see if you can release that on the exhale. And whatever else is there that can't be let go of, just let it be there.
Gradually we let our attention settle on the breath. We don't need to make anything happen. We don't really need to change anything. All we're doing is letting our attention settle on what it's like for the body to breathe in and out. As the breath finds its natural rhythm, just doing the best we can to stay with each inhale and exhale. Seeing if we can let go of surface concerns, thoughts, worries. And just feel the body as it breathes in and out. Seeing if we can fold in every time our mind wanders off, gently bringing it back to the breathing. Sensations may come and go, thoughts may come and go, sounds may come and go. And in this easy, relaxed 
way letting the tension and awareness come to the body as it breathes And without judgment or criticism, anytime you notice you've been lost in thought, gently bringing back the attention to the present moment as the body breathes in and out.
as the body settles, might allow the mind to settle with it. Staying with the breath as best you can, simple sensations of inhaling and exhaling. If there's another experience that is calling for your attention that's stronger than your breathing, then seeing if you can fold that in and include that in your field of awareness. You might use a gentle, quiet whisper in the mind. If the mind is busy, just note thinking, thinking. If there's a sensation in the body that's particularly strong, you might just notice sensation, sensation. In that way, we're not in conflict with or trying to get rid of any experience, but including it. Whenever something starts to fall out of your field of awareness, then Come back to the body as it breathes in and out. For the last few minutes of this meditation, just seeing if you can put a little effort to hang in there. Be with the body as it breathes in and out.
And as we take care going into meditation, with a few deep breaths, you might also take care coming out of the meditation with a few deep breaths, opening your eyes when you hear the bell. We offer some description of some of the things that might happen during a meditation, Uh, really just so that um, uh, you might uh, not be as, um, I guess, so familiar with your minds (laughs) as when you sit quietly and pay attention to what it's doing. So we're somehow training the mind to keep coming back to a particular object. We're using the breath, but we're also trying to include uh, uh, into the field of awareness anything that can be happening that's really compelling for us. If we have a strong emotion coming up repeatedly, a very busy mind, a bad pain in the knee, or the foot's fallen asleep or something, and there's a lot of competition with the breath and something else, then we say, let go of the breath and turn towards that which is a little stronger. And that way, there's less conflict in the mind, and we can actually just include that as part of the meditation. So we do a a formal sitting practice um, and offer some guidance in establishing a daily practice. But really, there's no difference between uh, uh, what we're kind of doing in our meditation and how we're leading our lives. So we're offering the same kind of um, approach or attitude to that which is happening in our daily lives. Um, Can we include things, things that we sometimes don't like (laughs) to see or would rather go away? and actually see if we can meet them with some ability and some skill. So um, during this 15 minutes, um, some people uh, establish a great deal of calm. Um, It's giving us a little, like a half a chance because our devices aren't all plugged in, there's not a lot of demands being made upon us, and we try and do it during a quiet time so that we can see more clearly what's going on in our bodies and our minds. Um, And we use the breath as a tool. Um, and you might notice after a few breaths, some people are very skilled and they can stay um, pretty easily. You know, their mind wanders off a few times. For most of us, we're really pretty busy in our daily lives. Our minds are very active, and it might be a few breaths, and then something, our minds land on something, and we go off for, I don't know, a few minutes or so um, before we notice we're kind of lost in thought, and, oh, back to this room, back to sitting here. So we use the breath as kind of this little tool to keep coming back to. Um, so um, this would be a good time to see if there's any questions about having a daily sit or any questions about anything that we've presented. Yes, and we're going to pass around the mic so that the, it gets recorded. So uh, one more, is this on? Yes, if you hold it up. Um, 
had that in a couple meditations that I've done that they suggested that practice. We're not really um, making the breath do anything in particular, but that's a good question. We tend to keep the mouth closed, just breathe in and out through the nose. And some people can have a very refined sense of the breath and feel the air going in and out of the nose. And some people, it's, more, it's easier to follow the breath in the chest or the belly or the whole body. Um, but this is not like a breathing exercise. We're just letting the breath do whatever it's doing, whether it's you know, deep, shallow, short, long, whatever it is. We're just letting the attention land on it. Okay. Any other questions? Yes, can you wait for the... My, my question is, uh, what if uh, you find it difficult to not change your breathing when you observe it? Do either of you want to answer that? Do you want to answer again? It's very common for people to feel like when they settle down and try to pay attention to the breath that they naturally start doing something with the breath. And initially, I think a good way to approach that, which you might try, is to turn your attention uh, toward that feeling of what you're doing to control the breath. So you notice, oh, I'm not able to breathe naturally. So just as Shin Kwan pointed out that we don't need to feel like anything is a particular distraction or shouldn't happen in this practice, then maybe what you notice is, oh, controlling the breath <laughs> or uh, wanting my breath to be a certain way. And just see what happens when you direct your attention back toward that, whatever that feeling is that's driving that tendency to control the breath. That would be my first thing, is to just, just shine the light back on that. And sometimes it will relax when that happens and that can then help you settle back more into a natural breath. But it may take a little practice to do that. That's a, that's a good place to start. And if it doesn't work out, you can ask again next week. <laughs> Thank you. Is there um, an overarching goal to your meditation? Is there or all meditations just special or perfect in their own way, but they're all different? Or is there something where maybe you stay in the moment and you're following your breathing pattern well and you notice that difference sometimes as opposed to other times? Or is it just all what it is and it's just an exercise that's just great anyway? So thank you for the question. Um, As I'm sitting here, I realize I probably left out a pretty important component or reason why we do the practice. (laughs) Um, So we are trying to train our our bodies and minds to settle so that we have some enhanced capacity for awareness and to be present for our life in a very full, rich way. Um, But also um, really to see where we get caught or where we get pulled away into... um, 
some kind of thinking or uh, emotions tend to pull us out, since, you know, strong sensations tend to pull us. And the goal, I would say, or one of the reasons why a lot of people come to practice is to, to reduce the suffering in their lives. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of... Um, suffering that comes just with being a human being. But a lot of the uh, suffering is also extra added on because of what we do with the things that are happening to us. So sitting in meditation or establishing a daily practice gives us a clearer view where those places are. We have calm, it can be beautiful and uh, peaceful, um, and, and that's nice in and of itself, but that's not so much the goal that we have here. We use that calm and we use that clarity so that we can see the places where we can be a little more free, free from the habits of mind, uh, habits of thinking, habits of reactivity that uh, cause us additional suffering. So it's not that all the suffering will go away from being alive and being a human being, but uh, the more we pay attention, the more we're going to realize that a lot of it is happening because of our own minds. I don't know if that makes some degree of sense, but... (laughs) Yes. Um, I think that was excellent, (laughs) and I want to... um, mention the word suffering, which we use frequently in this practice. It's kind of a code word, though. It just happens to be the word we use, and not everyone connects immediately with that word. So there are other um, words that are used also for the same idea. Some people say stress. Stress is something that we need to reduce. Or uh, I've even heard struggle, which I kind of like. And we, what we see through meditation is the ways that we struggle, the ways that we bring stress or the ways that we suffer in some way um, through the actions of our bodies and minds, being a human being. And the reduction of that is something that can happen if we're paying attention. And it will be much less likely to happen if we're not paying attention and just operating on autopilot. Yeah, this is a really rich topic um, about why why do we meditate. And uh, I appreciate very much, Shin Kwan and Kim, what you've said. And maybe I will just add one, an, one more thing here. Here's a way that's almost guaranteed to increase stress, suffering, discomfort. And that is to have a very particular outcome that you want or a very particular experience that you want with your meditation. Right? Things occur as they occur. Things arise as they arise. Or, you know, life unfolds as it unfolds. Not that we don't have agency, but we can't control everything. So if you have the idea that your meditation must be a particular way, or that you must have a particular experience, or must not have a particular experience, that's not going to help with your having more ease in the world. It's not going to um, help you have a greater understanding of how your mind works, maybe the connection between your body and your mind. So we try to stay away from the idea that there's a very particular um, experience or outcome from our meditation.
I know I'm still asking about uh, the rich topic, but when I've tried meditation, I, I agree, I can't be attached to a certain outcome, but I've found intention is really important. It's like essential between me just sitting there, oh, oh, duh, you know, or or actually experiencing that calm or a powerful mental state, I guess. Anything you could say about that would be great. Uh, so it's great that intention came up for you during the sit. Uh, and it may come up for some people sometime during their sit is, um, what's my intention around this? Um, so it helps clarify uh, if you're paying attention to <laughs> either wanting to get rid of some painful state <laughs> or wanting to get to some beautiful state. Uh, that's important to see um, because we can put a ton of effort into trying to get rid of something that's really unpleasant or trying to reach something that's some ultimate goal. Um, and I've been caught in that many, many times. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just another place for us to see that. And, and in that, we might... Uh, there's maybe some distillation process that occurs because we see that wanting something to happen or wanting something to go away is not incredibly uh, practical, useful. It usually doesn't work. Um, but if we start to distill and question our intentions, and that's a really, um, uh, I would say, useful practice. So that's one of the things that comes from meditation is we start to see w what are the things, you know. So if it is for more... Uh, clarity, understanding, wisdom, peace, um, non-harm, you know, some of the things that we talk about and teach here, things that are more supportive for um, ourselves and our lives, then that seems to add a lot of energy, effort, um, maybe helps with the dedication to continue this practice. So, But that's a topic for to explore for everybody. Um, so thank you for, for asking. And it's just made me think about um, something else. Is we offer this particular way of approaching uh, meditation. It doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> but we say, give it a shot. If it makes enough sense, what you hear makes enough sense, then it, um, you know, try it for the five weeks. And also, um, we try and present things in a way that are descriptive, um, that have been helpful to some people and maybe for us. But really, this whole practice is um, works best when you see for yourselves, when you try for yourself. And rather than accept something or believe something, it's not about dogma or doctrine or anything like that. It's really offering something so that you can kind of see for yourself if it works for you. I think intention is incredibly valuable and important. And if you want to have one simple intention, you might try the intention to be mindful. That'll take you a very long way. So uh, I've been trying to do a daily practice for about a couple of weeks now. Oh, I've been trying to do a daily practice for about a couple of weeks, and I find that in the evenings, it's incredibly hard. And afternoon is hard, but evening is 
bordering impossible for me to stay focused. And uh, so, I, but but if I if I support myself by counting or something like that, it gets a little bit easier. But I've heard some people say that's kind of a crutch, and I should just. It, it can also be rewarding because I'll find more things I get stuck on, which happen during the day. So, is that okay to use counting as a crutch in the evening if I have to? So the question was um, to use counting. So this is um, a practice that is sometimes used. I don't know exactly how you use it. I'll, um, I'll say that I sometimes use counting. And what I do is on the in-breath, I'll say one. And I keep the number one in my mind also for the out-breath exhale. And then a two, two, three, three up to the number 10 if i can if my mind hasn't drifted and then back down to number 1 1 through 10 over and over and over again and i often will do that if i'm feeling particularly distracted my mind's really busy and i need um a support to I don't know if support is the right word. I'll say that sometimes it's really helpful for me to just staying on the breath um, is difficult, so I will use counting to support it. And sometimes I'll do that for my entire meditation period, and sometimes I will just do that for the beginning, and sometimes I won't do it at all. So in the spirit of what Shin Kwan was just saying, is um, kind of encourage you to try it if it feels like um, something you may want to explore. It's different for different people, and for some it may um, be helpful, and others you may get caught up, and oh my gosh, was that two or three, and last time I only got up to number two, and I never get up to number three, and then you just, off you go. Right, so it's not all, you know, I I would just encourage you to um, explore it if it's uh, something that you're interested in. So So the question um, about counting also brings up... um, two different reasons that, um, I guess, practices are slightly different. Concentration practices, which some people want to do, and they use things like counting or mantras or um, a picture or something, um, is a slightly different from this mindfulness practice that we're doing. We're trying to use a little bit of concentration to establish presence um, and then open up this mindfulness capacity to be aware of all things as they're happening. So it might be important is to see what you're using it for. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And if you can hold the mic, this one's very loud. I don't know why it's not working. Right into the top of it. Like thank you. That's perfect. So great. Um, so. With, uh, uh, in my daily practice with uh, time, you know, because I don't have another person there to uh, do the thing for me, so I'm just never sure exactly how to feel about time. I mean, I've tried various things. I've tried just sitting next to a clock, or I've tried using, you know, a timer, and inevitably I find that I'm doing fine for a while, but then some point around the middle, I start wondering what time it is and how long I've been sitting and <laughs> if I'm going to make it to the end. And it just increasingly 
eats up uh, a larger and larger part of my concentration. Mindfulness is just, you know, thinking about the end and and how like am I? Is this going to be one of those days where I make it to the end or whatever? And I'm just not sure what to do about that or what your recommendations might be. So I'd be interested in hearing that. Yes, so you can hear me with this. So I would um, encourage you to turn your mindfulness like, oh, this is what it feels like to be impatient, wanting the bell to ring, wishing this were over. Just You can turn that into the object of meditation instead of um, struggling or thinking that this is something that you must not be doing. You can say, oh, here I am again. This is what it feels like to be waiting for the bell. This is what it feels like to want to bolt and get off of this cushion. Or just bring your attention to that experience, that sensation, maybe those thoughts that accompany it. And I will say that, um, so it can be supportive to use a timer, and sometimes um, maybe it's not supportive to use a timer, so that's something to explore. I don't know if, do you guys do you want to add something about that? No? Okay. About using Yes, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to segue into this. Um we're each going to share uh, uh I guess a few minutes of of what we think is important to um establish a daily practice like you the last few questions about establishing a daily practice. So um the questions were sometimes around time of day and the tools or supports for meditation. So I find a timer helpful. Uh, otherwise, my mind does a similar thing. Um, so there's a timer available on our website if you want to use that. But most devices now, phones, carry some kind of timer. I would suggest the suggestion for this five-week course is to start with a 20-minute sit. So if that's doable, great. If you've already been sitting for a while and you can sit for 45 minutes, uh Great. Um, and if 20 minutes is impossible because your life is so busy, then, you know, try five minutes. You know, start with something that's reasonable for you. So anything is better than nothing. This practice only works when you do it. So um, uh, all those kinds of things. Finding the time of day that works best, maybe in the morning before you plug in all your devices, before the mind gets really, really active. Some people like to start off then. And finding the right place in your home or apartment that's a little bit uncluttered, that's a lot else isn't happening there. Uh, some people like to book in their day, start a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night. So um, clearing the mind at night um, sometimes is helpful to get a good night's sleep. Um, if you find you fall asleep a lot during meditation, then sometimes we suggest just get more sleep <laughs> and maybe, you know, wait on the meditation practice. Um, they say Americans are really sleep-deprived and we want to just add another thing that we're good at or want to do or want to help. Um, but um, uh, to see for yourself. Um, I find that coming... Um, to sit with the group sometimes is very helpful because a lot of times you are not going to sit on your own. <laughs> so best intentions that you have, uh, sometimes it just uh, slips your mind. So we do offer the, these once a week, and we offer plenty of times uh, in the morning and evenings here if you want to sit with the group, um, different time periods. Um, um, for me, um, 
aside from all the logistical things, is to really kind of hone in on what's really important. Um, I, I gather that a lot of people come to this practice because their lives aren't, 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 if your lives were perfect and everything was going well, I don't think you would come and need a meditation practice. <laughs> um, um, but some level of stress relief or something's going on. Um, and sometimes it can be quite devastating what's going on in someone's life. So um, to offer yourself as much care with this process. It sometimes reveals a lot of of tenderness or areas of pain and hurt that are allowed to come out when we sit quietly. So to really um, uh, give yourself um, uh, the kind of relaxed, gentle, caring qualities that come with mindfulness to see if we can turn that towards ourselves in some way uh, helps kind of, for me at least... um, prioritize why I'm why I sit or why this practice is important for me yes trying to ask this question um, oh, you, could you use you, a microphone you said earlier something very eloquent you said that expecting expecting a certain that's fine expecting a certain outcome or experience in meditation is stressful um, do you also extend that to life <laughs> I would say, as you see for yourself, you will figure out. <laughs> um, sometimes it works, and people are really driven and dedicated to get what they want. Um, a lot. What this practice helps reveal is when that adds uh, unnecessary stress. Um, we want what we want, and sometimes it becomes clear to us what we're going to do to get what we want. Um, And this practice helps, um, I guess, at least least for me, I can say when there's harm being done to myself or others, uh, that's an area where there's additional suffering being made. And so we might be more willing to let go of what we want for peace or harmony or or non-harm. So... um, I'm not sure I answered that question <laughs> very succinctly, but <laughs> does any either either of you have something to add? <laughs> I
So I'll say a little bit more about um, daily practice. And that is that there's a certain um, similarity between meditation practice, training for the mind, and training for the body. It's uh, January, probably a number of us, or maybe we know somebody, or it's just tradition, right, that we make resolutions that, oh, I'm going to exercise more or eat better or go to the gym, do more yoga, whatever it is. And just if we have the intention that we want to train the body a certain way, there's certain things that we do. We um, make a decision that we're going to do this. We're going to go for a walk every day. We're going to practice yoga. We're going to lift weights, whatever it is that um, we decide to do. So we decide, okay, we're going to do this. And then we don't do it just once. Right, we do it um, repeatedly. If we, we all understand this. If you want bigger muscles, if you want to have greater endurance, that you um, exercise repeatedly and you train your body in a particular way. And then, as a result of training your body repeatedly in a certain way, you become you have greater endurance. It, your endurance is, isn't just only there when you're exercising. You have it with you all the time. Maybe you have greater flexibility. Maybe you have um, greater lung capacity, greater strength. You're able to buy the biggest package of dog food and pick that up or pick up your children or your grandchildren or something like this, right? Your increased strength, your increased flexibility, your increased endurance is with you all the time as a consequence of that training. In just the same way, the kind of training that we're doing here, the training of the mind, where we choose to bring the mind back to an object that we've chosen, we, we set that intention that we're going to do meditation practice. We do it repeatedly on a number of days, months, years for the rest of our lives. We put a little bit of effort into it, just like you do when you're lifting weights or walking or something. And then our capacity to be with the present moment gets um, created. And that's with us in all aspects of our lives. All aspects of our lives, right? Because there isn't an aspect of our life in which our mind isn't present. That's impossible. So this training is, um, a big part of it is to do it repeatedly and to um, maybe make the commitment just like you would if you wanted to have the experiences of um, training your body in the same way. So we encourage a daily practice in a way that um, fits into your life. And we also encourage putting some effort into it, just as you would to lift heavier and heavier weights or something. And then do you want to say something, Kim? I'll just add one tiny thing. I think I'll just add a story um, about a teacher from the last century who somebody came to this teacher and they were very busy single mom, I believe, and it was like meditation practice. (laughs) When exactly is that going to happen? And, um, but she, nonetheless, she wanted the meditation. She just didn't see how it was possible. And he said a very simple phrase. He said, well, just put your body there. And what this meant is just take the sitting posture once a day 
And the idea was that um, that in itself, taking this posture, remember the posture that Diana described, one that's alert and relaxed, that's upright in certain ways, that creates a little bit of a body memory, and it gives you just that moment of being attentive. And of course the hope is that if you can sit there for five seconds, you could sit there for 25 seconds maybe, and it might extend to a few minutes. But if really that's all you can do, then at least you've put your body there. And if it's too intimidating to sit even for five minutes, at least put your body there every day. So I like that phrase, just put your body there. And your body may start wanting to be there. Thank you. So with that, we'll try another meditation. So please take a posture that's comfortable and upright. Maybe this is an opportunity to try a different posture than you tried before. And again, this meditation will be guided. So find the right position for you. And if you recall, you'll want to have your spine in an alert, upright position. And the hands in a symmetrical and relaxed position. And if you can, a little curve in the lower spine. So maybe sitting forward on the edge of the chair or allowing, making sure that your hips are above your knees in your sitting posture. And gently closing the eyes, if you're comfortable with that, allowing the face to relax. And maybe gently on the out-breath, inviting relaxation through the body, just to settle into the posture a little bit more inviting the tension to relax. Anything that doesn't relax, that's okay too. But inviting a sense of presence in the sitting posture, breathing. So gently turning the attention to the sensations of breathing. The simple sensations like the touch of the breath at the nostrils or the upper lip. The feeling of it flowing through the upper nasal passages and down into the throat. the three-dimensional feeling of the chest expanding slightly on the in-breath. And you can allow your belly to relax and even poof outward a bit. We don't need to suck our gut in. And then on the out-breath, there's the gentle relaxation and contraction three-dimensionally of the rib cage, 
and a sense of the breath flowing back out. Maybe there's some warmth on the way out. So for a few breaths, just focusing on that entire physical extent of the breath from the very touch at the beginning, deepening through the body, and then relaxing back out for a few breaths. Natural breath. So the invitation, as we familiarize ourselves with this breath, how it is today, right now, is to try to find the place where you can connect most clearly with the breath. Do you feel it most clearly right at the nostrils? maybe in that spot through the back of the nose and throat. You feel it clearly in the chest. Or all the way in the diaphragm and belly. Noticing for yourself today, where do I feel the breath? Where is that strongest connection And don't strain too much if it feels like there might be two places that are somewhat clear. Settle on somewhere that feels relatively clear. And just rest. Rest the attention there with that simple, clear spot. Allow this tired mind to rest in the gentle sensation of breathing. For some, it's actually the whole body, so you may need a more expanded sense of your attention, or for some, it's a very tiny spot Allow the attention to be the size that it needs to be in order to connect clearly with the breath right now. Gently getting to know this breath. As it is.
providing the resting spot for our attention. So gently coming back. Yes, so I can see you in the back with your hand waving. So the question was, what is the difference between mindfulness meditation and meditation using mantra or concentration? So this is the um, how I... And, and the question was, are they in opposition? They definitely aren't in opposition. They um, work together. And this is how I think of it, that um, mindfulness is a very inclusive practice. We pay attention to whatever is arising. We choose an anchor, such as the breath, but if there's, and we'll talk about this more as the weeks go, that we kept it um, simple tonight, but we choose an, an object, the breath, and when we notice that our mind wanders, we come back to the breath. But if there's something really compelling, Shinkwan talked about this in the guided meditation, we allow that to be the object. So in that way, there's um, rather than struggling with the um, whatever else is compelling, and we'll talk more about this in the next weeks, but um, we allow whatever's arising, whatever really um, grabbing for our attention, we just purposely put our attention on that. So that's mindfulness. We're just bringing our attention to whatever's arising. Concentration practice, and mantra is a type of concentration practice, is a little bit different in the way that you could, again, use um, the breath as your object. But if there's something compelling that's competing for your attention, you you push it away and you bring it back to the breath. So it's kind of exclusive. You are not paying attention to other things. You're only paying attention to the breath. So these two, um, concentration and mindfulness, work together. But what we're going to teach is mindfulness. And as you practice mindfulness, your concentration grows. They go hand in hand. So um, in this 
Yeah, so what we're going to be teaching in these five weeks, we'll be focusing on mindfulness, which is a really inclusive practice where we will bring our attention to um, different things. Okay, so I want to say thank you all to um, coming here this evening but um, to learn about meditation. And I'll spend just these remaining two minutes or so to talk about some resources that are available to um, help support you. So most of you I see had a green um, handout, and in there we have um, some recommendations for practice. As Shin Kwan said, it's really helpful if you do this a daily practice. We recommend 20 minutes. But you can also spend some time um, bringing your attention to a particular experience in, um, in addition, let's see, for example, you can bring your attention to like brushing your teeth or washing the dishes or something like that. It's still mind training, right? So you're choosing an object and you're bringing your attention to it. There's a little bit more about that in the handout. So that's um, one thing that we recommend as support. I also, um, Gil Franstall, who's the founder of this center here and is our teacher, um, he has a book, The Issue at Hand, and these... Um, Essays on Buddhist Mindfulness Practice. This is, book is free, and you can find it on the counters out there. You're welcome to take it. I, myself, have found lots of really helpful, useful things in here. So um, if you'd like to, you can take this book. You don't have to, of course, but if you'd like to. If you're interested in um, IMC, more about the center, what we do here, how things work or something, we have a handout. There's one that's called um, Insight. Let's see, this month it kind of has a purple um, font. And this talks about our schedule, what do we have here, and there's some articles, and the articles are always about mindfulness practice. And then you may also find, if you're looking out there, that we have another newsletter because we have a um, another center a retreat center and we'll talk about that later in the weeks but this is a residential place where you would go for like a week at a time um, to practice so if you're interested in that you may find this um, also these two newsletters the um, IMC Insight Meditation Center and IRC the Insight Retreat Center you'll find these by the door and if this isn't enough, that um, we have a literature table that's against these windows back here opposite the door that talk about all the upcoming events that are happening. And then finally, I'll say, we have a website, of course, um, insightmeditationcenter.org. And we also have audiodharma.org. If you're not sure how to spell that, that's okay, because you can get there from insightmeditationcenter.org. We recorded this evening. We will record every week. And this um, class has been taught a number of times. So if you miss one, you can listen to the recording of us. And there's a number of other teachers who have taught this as well. So you can hear recordings of the other ones. And the flyer, the handouts, are also on the website. They're on the Audio Dharma um, website. They have the unfortunate name as homework. So I hope that's not too off-putting. But if you miss a week or you want to show it to somebody else or you want electronic copy, you don't want to take home paper copy, that's things you can do. So those are just some information to support you. Um, And we look forward to seeing you all next week. Um, Do you want to say any parting words? If anyone has further questions, you can come up and talk with us. Yeah.
Yes, so if you have any more questions, you're welcome to come up now. And with that, I kind of offer you a deep bow of appreciation of um, taking this time to come here and learn about meditation. So, good night. Thank you.